1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, we're looking at the things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. God sent his son to redeem us, and Jesus baptized us in the Holy Spirit and fire. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and uh, power to attest to these things, to be a witness, to actually live out the Christian life where people, where it's noticeable to people, where they can detect that you've been with Jesus, where your life is truly changed. You're not just religious. It's not just a sort of institutionalized embellishment. It's, it's not just some sort of exertion of trying to, you know, overcome uh, with niceties. You, you actually have a heart change. And there is someone that is a change agent that comes into the world to eradicate the sin condition and set captives free and push back the darkness and push back the fears and the phobias and all the worries and, and push back all the, uh, the, the oppression of the enemy and liberate people back to fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be unaware. Now, the King James says ignorant. And some people say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance will get you in hot water. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people perish or are destroyed because for lack of knowledge because they rejected knowledge. So, we as God's followers, we as the Jesus people that want to walk with him, we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen and workwomen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. You're coming into some things. You've already come, in, come into, into sonship or daughtership with God through the new birth. I'm going to take a survey. How many of you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Bruce, how long ago did you become a Christian? Do you remember when you got saved? Were you a teenager? Ten years old. Ten years old. How about you, John Moore? How old were you? Nineteen. Nineteen seventy-three. Chet, how old were you? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. And uh, I was sixteen. Nineteen seventy-two. Jesus changed my life. Mary Hackman, when did you get saved? 1972, what month? Okay, so you're February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. You're nine months older than me. Yes, you were a nun in 1959. And so you had a heart that what would, that level of commitment is just hard to even grasp, the level of commitment of that kind of commitment. And as she committed... She, as as uh, Steve said, if you seek, you'll find. Double, unlimited seeking equals unlimited finding. So, you know, this is why I attend church. And by the way, I want to announce this. I have asked my friend, uh, Paul Chase, Pastor Paul Chase, to come and speak to our church next weekend. Now, he is, he's been our friend for, uh, since the 70s, and he and his wife, Shadi, and their family, they pioneered over 200 churches in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia. And uh, he is a good speaker. He's, he's, a, he's a, 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 a genuine man of God. And I want to encourage you guys, bring a friend, come on in Friday and Sunday. Uh, you will not want to miss uh, that 
uh, perspective, good news from a distant land, somebody that's lived, you know, so much of their life over in another part of the world, and uh, it, it stirs, a, 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 you know, a, a, he, has a, he has a world view, he has a perspective, so, and, and, a, and a great heart, so. For lack of knowledge, my people perish, so then if you flip that, with an abundance of knowledge, we're going to thrive, Right? And I know this because look at Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one verse two. The apostle Peter famously starts out his second letter, underscoring this truth that uh, that knowledge is power. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through what the true knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So we're admonished and instructed concerning the things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, not to be ignorant, not to be unaware, not to be ill-informed or uninformed. Now, I'm aware, since I became a Christian, the advent of the computer and the platforms and the blogging and the capabilities of people to communicate, there are all kinds of... The marketplace is filled with opinion and conjecture and argument and debate. And so we as individual believers need to hunker down and uh, study the word. There's a time when the gospel was being preached and a group of people called the Bereans uh, were commended by the apostles as people who searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. That's a good thing. That's a safeguard. For all of us. And when I went to Bible school, the head of the Bible school said, look, if you just only listen to me, you'll get, you'll, you won't be fully balanced. And, and I listened to that, and I, and, you know, I was so young, I, didn't, I could hardly understand quite then what he was saying. I've since grown in to understand it. He wasn't being falsely humble, and he wasn't, uh, you know, he was saying, I have an emphasis, I have my calling, this is my responsibility, but, you know, you need to judge Scripture with Scripture and study the whole Bible. There's a neuroscientist named Huberman, and he's on, uh, recently he came out and he said, he's been studying the Bible, and he says he prays because it works. And the guy said, well, who do you pray to? And he said, God. And he said, uh, and, and, then, and, and then he said, uh, what, well, what, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And uh, the, the Old Testament shines light on the New Testament, and the New Testament shines light on the Old Testament, and it is in harmony, and it's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful pathway. It's a, it's a sure uh, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, right? And um, grace and peace are good things, and they can be not just added to you. The devil's trying to subtract them from you, but God will multiply them to you through what? Through the knowledge of him. You ever hear the word, the phrase, knowledge is power? Who's ever heard that phrase? Knowledge is power. You know, you hear that. So I looked it up, and it was first attributed to Francis Bacon uh, in 1597. Thomas Jefferson used it at least four times, that phrase at least four times, in his correspondence in connection with the establishment of the State University uh, 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 of Virginia. He, he kept saying knowledge is power. Uh, they may have borrowed it from Proverbs 24.5. Proverbs 24.5, uh, it says, A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge 
increases power. Right? It's good to learn. It's good to be... Look, I was... Our dad was a life learner. And he was on the cutting edge of technology. I remember when he... When I was a little child, 1960s, he took me to work. I think it was like uh, parents and kids go to get to work day, you know, and there was this giant room and there was a raised floor and there were men in lab coats and there were all these IBM machines with these uh, big discs of tape, you know, and it, it was, it was uh, as I recall, I was very little, but it was a really long room. And he said, this is the future. And then... Uh, Fast forward up into the, oh, I don't know, whenever Apple Computer came out with the mouse and all that, the, um, he brought one of those home from work, and he showed it to me. It went from MS-DOS and all the technology that was, you, you know, you had to learn um, computer language, and then it became uh, user-friendly, uh, you know, and then the mouse and all the icons, and then this, just a click and that kind of thing. And then... Uh, even when he was in his deathbed, you know, he was on the laptop working to help our church with give the kids a smile and other projects. You know, he, he died with his boots on, and I honor that. But I also honor the fact that he stayed cutting edge. I remember when CDs came out, and I went from the cassette tapes. I was one of the first preachers I knew of to go on a CD. I was trying to be on the cutting edge. The devil didn't like it and really, really attacked our attempts to move forward and advance the technology. We had two uh, uh, people we supported in missions that attacked me on, li- on uh, uh, email, in the beginnings of email. So it was like an introduction for me that this is, I associated it with pain. And I had just so much attack from it. It was like, well, who wants to run toward that? You know, so, uh, but I say this because we've got to be mature around here we've got to not just be governed by past hurts or by the let the devil use unprincipled or unhappy people to stop us in areas uh we we can't just write things off you know i remember when i was in wales preaching uh, near carnarvon castle back in the 70s and 80s and a guy said to me the that that's television instead of television he called it television you know and it was it's like okay and uh it, it it's true i mean the, the movie screen could have something horrid or it could have the hiding place with Corey Ten Boom's story, you know, and get people saved, you know, and have her give an altar call out of a, a rocking chair at the end of the movie, you know. Um, so we uh, must be wise and, and realize that uh, knowledge is power. Um, it, it empowers you. And uh, whereas the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of e- good and evil... Uh, has wrecked havoc for humanity. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, he said, don't eat that fruit because you'll die. On the other hand, the knowledge of God has brought profound enrichment to all. I was thinking about Harvard. You grow up and that's an aspiration for uh, academically uh, inclined students to go to one of those Ivy League schools. And uh, the motto at Harvard started out as uh, Veritas Christo et Ecclesia. And it means truth for Christ and the church. And it was established uh, in, uh, in, I think it was in the 1600s, 
and it was a, a training ground to raise up ministers. And, um, but it's, it's, it's like so many things, the drift factor. All we like sheep have gone astray. And if we're not careful, you know, we, we've got to be aware of this through the course of our lives so that we uh, keep returning to the shepherd and the guardian of our souls. Right? Some ladies who came all the way from Washington, Missouri, and, uh, you know, that's about an hour drive. The church that's alive is worth the drive. I realize it's snowing and it's the first snow, so everybody panics, but we're St. Louis. We'll get really good at, you know, we'll be proficient before you know it. They should do reality shows about our driving. Uh, man's reasoning is valuable, but it's not the end in and of itself. There are ways to get information, and uh, God does want us to worship him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So he's very inclusive. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. God is holistic. He's holy, and he's holistic. And I don't mean that he's grinding up herbs, you know, and he's uh, drinking, you know, green tea and stuff. I'm saying he has your full-featured existence in mind. He made all the beauty of creation. He made all the plants that bear seeds and create food and all the blessings with you in mind. He also knows that we have a three-and-something-pound brain up in our craniums and that we need to use it. But he also urges us not to lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct our paths. So we that are endeavoring to be spiritual are not invited to dumb things down, no. The gospel is not simplistic, but I will tell you it is super simple. And it takes genius to make something this big accessible to children and to new people. That, that this, all these spiritual truths revealed to us through Jesus coming in and speaking in parables and tending to the people he was speaking with and reading the room. Everybody say, read the room. We can become all things to all men so that we may by all means save some. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You get around political people, you morph into a thing where you realize their aptitudes and the why of why they got in it and the kick me sign that gets stuck on the back of them when they step up to do it. The unique kind of features that got, that got them to want to give back to society and help uh, you know uh, all the opinionated situations and try to bring some kind of harmony into society. You look at doctors and you think about how many hours they studied, the level of understanding they have with science, the logic skills they have in their brain, and then the necessity they have to also, in addition to that, cultivate left brain uh, nuance to try to uh, be kind and be, be respectful to the, the people uh, that they're working with, Right? They're, they're teaching in uh, medical school now business classes because they know sometimes 
doctors are so lopsided with skills with science that they lack the skills to sustain a business. They also are now teaching the nurses and the doctors uh, bedside manner. Bedside manner. And they're also trying to prevent compassion fatigue. You hear that? So look, I approach church, spirit, soul, and body. Like Oral Roberts approached uh, academics in the university established uh, for education of the whole man, spirit, mind, and body. It's on his, it's on his crest. The crest on, on the original Harvard from 1600s was uh, truth for Christ and the church. Now they just say truth. But you, you, you neuter Christ and the church off of it. Uh, Jesus is the truth. So uh, we pray a revival on those Ivy League campuses. And the Christian schools. There's a drift factor. So we got and church. We got, and us, all of us, right? And so concerning things pertaining to and of the spirit, he does not want us to be ignorant, uninformed, misinformed, ill-informed, or unaware. And why? Because my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, Daniel chapter 12, uh, verse 4 says something that I've heard a lot of ministers comment on over the decades. It's a fascinating thing. It says, as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. You know, he, this is where he's wrapping up his prophetic calling in the end of his life. And he says, many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. I remember in the 70s, ministers commenting on this, theorizing, could this be uh, a forward understanding of trains and aircraft and automobiles, maybe, going back and forth, maybe. Uh, But this point, knowledge will increase. There has been a proliferation of knowledge since when I was a little boy in San Diego and my dad took me in that giant room with all the, you know, the guys in lab coats. He told me on his deathbed, he said, because I remembered that with him. I was having a conversation with him. And he said, all, I said, remember when you took me to that room? He says, yeah, I do. He says, all of that can fit right into here. Just in that short lifespan he had. Only lived to be 76. And um, just since we started this church, 1988, boy, things have accelerated. You know, and, and I, I, I believe, you know, like AI and all the technical knowledge we're seeing that we're like, we, we're trying to re- figure out how to process, right? There are technological advances with building, materials, trying to make uh, things less toxic and less uh, 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 hindering to the, to the atmosphere and things like that. Those are good things. When they came up with catalytic converters on cars, I mean, I, I preached on that, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of a film of platinum, and, uh, and it causes noxious, gas, noxious fumes to be converted into harmless vapor. Well, I, 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 that'll preach. Jesus will take a sinner and turn him into a saint. He'll take a tough, nasty situation as you grow in the knowledge of him, and your faith stays strong. You face off with these attacks the enemy tries to lay on you. And you stand and you say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing I receive when I pray. I have inside information. And knowledge has increased. You know, when we became Christians, 
there were a lot of testimonies and there was great music. You know, Paul Clark was here last week and he is one of the pioneers of Jesus music. And you could look him up. I mean, back in the early, early 70s, what was happening out in California, people like Love Song, Chuck Gerard, people like that, they got saved and they had their guitars still and they just started singing different songs. It's like Steve was saying, hey, we have Friday night church. And I thought, it's happy hour here. We just have different party materials. And none of it's illegal. Hallelujah. So, um, but then after the testimonies, you know, how Jesus changed my life and there's value and power in that, there, there was a vacuum. We needed good teaching. And so teaching started to alight about 1975. And... Uh, by the grace of God, the, the, you know, the, we, we great, I'm so grateful to say got good teaching. And God helped us. Teaching about who Jesus is and how the integrity of God's word, the value of the church, the necessity to forgive, the, the victory orientation, that we're new creatures and we can pray in faith. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit didn't pass away with the apostles. They are intact and preserved and, and are available for us today, and we can be thankful for that. And so, knowledge is power. And, uh, you know, in Hosea 6, 3, 6, 6, I just read 4, 6 to you, my people destroyed for lack of knowledge. People will come to and fro. Uh, Hosea 6, 6 says, uh, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So God is really adamant about us being life learners. Um, Dr. Mark Ortnow uh, was uh, a dentist in his career. He retired a little while back, and and he would get awards for uh, being a life learner. He would get honored for it. He just stayed very current. So when we, when, when we built the dental clinic in Kosovo, He came in not just as a seasoned veteran, but also as a cutting-edge thinker. And that was a nice duality. And I saw that on my father. And he refused to get grumpy or calcify. And I also saw it on the Christian leaders that were impacting my life in my younger days. And I increasingly, as I mature, I look back with such gratitude and aspiration to uh, go that route. Instead of getting calcified, well, these young people today, you know. And, or instead of trying to be trendy, you know, throw off all the old stuff. No, the, we, the, we don't destroy the ancient foundations. They're, they're, they're holy. Well, the traditions of men choke the word and make it an effect. Yeah, but the traditions of the elders and godly traditions, there is virtue in them. Traditions of men, it's one thing. But the godly, uh, you know, it's ungodly to, to change a boundary or to change the scales. That's why it's so wicked when people do history revision and start uh, lying about the th- way things were, you know, to alter it, to seize people's brains and get them steered off into deception. So we go into the Word of God with confidence. And let's just, let's just look at some scriptures here. Because um, John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So knowledge is power. Everybody say knowledge is power. And, uh, oh, Philippians chapter, oh, what is it? Chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. 
uh, like we've got to look at this because this is Paul praying about this. Uh, Paul who understood knowledge would increase and Paul not wanting to calcify, Paul not wanting to be trendy. And he says, uh, man, I've had a pedigree. I've had a lot of stuff in my life. I've had some great things. I'm a, you know, and he names them all off in chapter three about all of his, uh, you know, his prominence, his, his, his established. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Roman citizen. He was educated and so forth. He's also ashamed of being a persecutor of the church and all that kind of stuff. And he, in the law, he was found blameless. So he's very legalistic. Uh, and however, he said in verse seven, chapter three, verse seven, uh, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, I was with a premier rock guitarist who has been playing for decades with premier players. And he's on tour again, and he turned to my son and he said, because he has a new family, he said, what you have is better than this. He was basically saying all the big stages, stadiums, the songs, the accolades from the fans, the incredible income, you know, the, 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 the exhilaration and the vibe of everybody loving it and singing along and everything. He said, just, he saw the prioritization, you know. Paul saw all this illustriousness, and then he says, you know, though, that's kind of overrated. He said, he said, in fact, he says, whatever things were gained to me, whatever things jazzed me, whatever things gave me an endorphin rush, those things now I just look at like, it's not as big a deal as having Jesus. And he elaborates on, he says, more than that, I count all things to be loss uh, in view of the surpassing value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, Mary was in that liturgical format. She was so devoted, she became a nun. She lived in a convent. She wore a habit, and that's so, that's a, I respect that kind of level of devotion, don't you? It's amazing. But as she's seeking, she has a new birth experience in the midst of all that, and she's rocking for God all these days, all these years since. So the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, refuse, nothing, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is found, uh, through Christ, faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And look what he says here. This is what I want to talk to you. Everybody say knowledge is power. That I may know him. See, how many, how many married people are here? How many of you are sitting next to your mate? Let me see. Some of you are they're home and they're in. Okay. Um, it's one thing to know about him. Then it's one thing. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Right? I mean, that's the center part of our deal. Like, I saw her. I got to know her. To know her is to love her. Fell in love with her. She, of course, was already in love with me, but, uh, of course, no, I was the first. But uh, then you just spend the rest of your life developing that. So I initially got saved November 1972, and I listened to some of what, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old, 19 years old. And uh, 
But man, there's, there's life to the ongoing increase of knowing him, learning about him, right? That's why I'm bringing in these guest speakers, just to help stimulate your thinking. I try to do the best I can, but sometimes you got to hear another perspective. That's good, and that'll help you because they can say this. In fact, a lot of times we'll get a guest speaker, they'll say something, and, and I, I will have had a whole 12 CD series and that I just taught on that. Uh, weren't you listening? Pastor Jeff, I got a revelation. For, you know, it's like, well, however you get, as you mature, you get over that, sort of. And, uh, you know, it's like the kid going to his friend's house for dinner. Mom, it was, they were the best hot dogs and macaroni and cheese I've ever had in my life. Well, I serve you hot dogs and macaroni. Oh, but these were the best. You know, it's, come on. Bottom line, we're to grow up in him. And Paul said that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Right? I want to lay hold of why God laid hold of me. When Asher Ben Ruby got saved in the 90s, were you in Indiana? You know, God laid hold of Smash and Debbie and then the kids, and you want to know why he laid hold of you. I remember when John and Jana had David, and they handed him to me. And Was he the one that had his hair standing up and his eyes were like this all the time? He startled himself with his hair that was standing up. It was way up. It, it just, it, it, you know, sometimes your hair will grow out. David's grew up. It was the original punk rock. I'm telling you, it was a kid of his time. And you, it was, it was cute. Yeah. Well, don't buffer this. I'm, I'm, rip, I'm ripping him. Don't stop me from ripping him right now. But you grow and you, and you, and you mature in the direction of your call and your, and the purpose, you, you continue to, to re-up and, and, and pursue the Lord, right? Yeah. This doesn't have to get uh, dreary. It doesn't have to get uh, uh, just uh, boring. We, we taught our kids, you are not to ever say, I'm bored. We wouldn't let them. That was like a cuss word in our house. You are not allowed to say that. I'm bored. It's like, wait a minute, man. No. This is a big adventure. God is, our God is an awesome God. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. According to the power that works in us. In him we live and move and have our being. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You scientific people, you, you doctors, you, you CEOs, CFOs, or high tech people that have all kinds of responsibility. The anointing on your life can break a, a yoke of bondage. Sandy Guyman here is retired from education. She taught at Parkway South High School, and they just named a hallway after her. It's the Guyman Hallway. And I told her, they better not sin or anything in there. It's like it's going to be like a holy pathway. They're going to be like, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I received Jesus. They're going to throw their drugs away. They're going to throw their cheat sheets away. They're going to walk through there. I'm sorry I was mean to you the other day. I don't want to fight anymore. 
the Sandy Guyman hallway. I've never heard in my life of a school naming a hallway after a teacher that's retired from there. It's because she left an impact of love and of, of care and of commitment to the Lord and of good education and, and, and endeavoring to advance those kids. She had the culture of the kingdom in the atmosphere of her work. So when you're doing CPR as a fireman or you're, 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 you're reconciling bank statements or whatever you do, you do it heartily unto the Lord. And you do it, and, and you do it where, and I learned from my dad, and I learned from the guys that I, that I grew up with. I watched him all the way. I watched Reinhard Bonnke till into his 70s endeavoring to stay fresh with God. And I would get around him, and it was, it was like childlike faith, but also highly developed maturity. Boy, that's a good thing. A lot of comedic friends I have in L.A., you get around them and they're, you know, they're, they're, they, they're just figuring out how to lighten people's loads, make them laugh. They're just trying to be respectful. i tell you what would be radical is if people just got mannerly. I, I think if we just did some basic standard 101 uh, jump kids courtesy stuff, we'd change the world. So there's a revival going on there. That person was nice to me. I'm telling you, if you found out what happened to me with my neighbors today, it would blow your mind. The, fr- the, the love, the favor. You know, they, they just told us they love us and they, they scored when they got us neighbors. Well, I tell them that all the time. I love them. You know, love your neighbor. Even the unlovable ones. You got to love them. I do. I love them. I've had some that were not lovable. They came against me and were harsh and hurtful. And you just got to love them, right? It's not like, well, because the world loves the people that are easy to love and give to the people that will give back and all that stuff. So it's, it's quite an, under, another, an undertaking to, uh, you know, just say, hey, man, you know, I, I own up to my part, sorry, and I love you. I value you. You know, we're not, we don't have to hang, and I know that we, were, we hurt each other, but I love you. Remember I was telling you about the guys that attacked me? One, actually, there was some decent resolve. The other one, not so much, because it all has to do with mutual ownership on it, you know. It's like you've got to be conciliatory for both sides to really have a true makeup. But as far as you're concerned or I'm concerned, you could be tidy with it, keep a good attitude, and say, well, I can't crawl up in your head. I can't prompt you to do the same thing I'm doing right now. Uh, I'm going to just trust God will deal with it, and I, you know, right? That helped somebody had nothing to do with my message, but it's good. Might have had everything to do with the message tonight. So let's look at a few verses before we finish. It's only 834. I'm doing great. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, talking about the knowledge of God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Oh, the depth, the length, the breadth, the height, the massiveness, the awesomeness, the beauty. Deep unto deep. Of the wisdom and these characteristics of brilliance of our God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. You want to get on a big adventure? You want to, you want to get, become a hobbyist? Make the Bible your hobby. You want to be on an adventure? 
climb the mountains of the scriptures. I, you know, there's a couple that went to Israel during the, this war, which is amazing, and God protected them. While I was, we, we were there right when the, the, the doors were closing because of COVID in 2020. I had my 64th birthday floating in the Dead Sea all by myself. Everybody else went to Masada, and, and I, I was jet-lagged, so I just laid out there, and, that's, and I thought about King David and his men probably would go out there and jump in that water and float and just have fun, and I got to do that. Such a privilege. And while we were on our way back to the airport, the, the guide and the driver both let me know, hey, we're secular. Like, so just want you to know that. So it's like, for me, it's like, game on. You know, they're trying to stop me, and I'm like, okay. I'm going to just morph into figuring out how to talk to you about Jesus, you know. And they, so I would let them talk about you. And, the, and my guide would tell me, all, and he'd get really impassioned about it. And i go, that's good. That's good preaching right there. And he'd look at me. I know what you're doing, man. <laughs> we sat down in one of these hole-in-the-wall falafel places. He said, oh, that's really good right over here by the Jerusalem wall. So we went in there. We had lunch together. And he kept waiting for me to preach to him. And I didn't preach to him one bit. Just had a good meal, looked at him and smiled. Ha, 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 I know what I'm up to, brother. And uh, while we were on our way back, um, this guy, Modi, Morty, Mordecai, but he called him Modi. He was driving this beautiful, uh, I think, 12-passenger Mercedes, really nice van. He took good care of and took good care of us. And we were driving early to catch the flight out of Tel Aviv, and he looked over at me and he said, the secular guy, I sat up in the front seat at this point because that's what happens. I go to a restaurant, I become friends with, the, with the, the waiters and everybody. It just happens. So I'm up there with the driver, and uh, he goes, uh, as the mountains are around about Jerusalem. Because we drove up over this hill, and the sun was coming up. It was really early in the morning. It was beautiful. Those were, in fact, the mountains. And I said, so the Lord is round about his people. And he went, and it, you know, so it went from, I know you're, you're a preacher, and you're a Christian, and you're born again, you know, to open. And let, can we pray together? Yeah, right? We win people one step at a time with the knowledge of God. That's, you know, in fact, Proverbs 11.30 says, uh, he that is wise wins souls. This would be an important thing for us to sharpen our skill set with. And this is why, the, the, this is the purpose of the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the day of Pentecost was to equip us for our witness. So we could go out and have words of knowledge and visions and dreams and words, prophetic words and understanding and, right? and, and give to healing and the working of miracles. We need all these things, right? Because the world's so fractured. It's so diseased. I love this. 2 Corinthians 2.14, talking about the knowledge. These are knowledge of God verses. 2 Corinthians 2.14 uh, it says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us uh, in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of what? The knowledge of him in every place. Every place. The knowledge of him permeating out of our lives to where Peter and John uh, were fishermen and they did not have the advantage to go the path of Paul the Apostle 
or Gamaliel or those guys who got to study like the, the academics got to. And so they could tell they were unlearned men. They, could, they just knew they didn't have that advantage or, that, or they weren't in that inclination. But they could tell they had been with Jesus. That is a big deal. And I share this. My grandma, she had a perfume called Shalimar. Now, if you study a perfume, the, there's some that are really, they're, they're different degrees. Some, they're, they're, you can smell them 75 miles away. Some of them are real light, you know, and you got to be close. Oh, you got to like a little hint of it, you know, and then there's stuff in between. Some of them are real warm and spicy and all this. There's all kinds of perfumier stuff out of south, southern France. There's a whole town called Grasse, and this is all they do, and they, they sniff, they, they have all these skills. My grandma had a skill for slathering Shalimar on and then giving me a hug on my way to the bus to school. She did it every day, and I, it was like a conflict because I adored my grandmother. My, in my mother's deathbed, she said, I suppose you bonded with my mother. She was like a mother to me. I lived in her house, her apartment, for two and a half years when my mother was divorced, and they, I, I did imprint with her. She was a very dear lady. So when she'd hug me, I'd be like, here we go again. So I'd get on the bus. Mmm, Jeff, wow, you smell great. <laughs> I mean, I smell, I smell like I was going to a dance or something at a nightclub or something, like on some... You know, elderly lady going to high school and going, like, thank you. Yeah, just shut up, man. Shut up. Uh, yeah. But on the other side, uh, the aroma, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. To one, it's death to death. To the other, it's life to life. It's, it's detectable, though. It's a Galilean accent. It's a... I could tell you've been with Jesus. And it's not like we're having to project it and be spooky. In fact, it's actually, uh, it's actually very much a part of what God has intended. We connect with him. Um, in his light, we see light. Uh, we fellowship with him and we gain new strength. We wait on the Lord. We hope in him. We gain new strength. I, uh, we had an eagle land by our house the day after Christmas and my sons and I, we got out in the car and we got out and we looked at it and he was looking down at us off the branch and I, we were so excited. We took pictures of it, video. And then I was driving back from church and it was flying to, it was like it was going to and from work like I was. And I was on the phone with a pastor friend and he, I said, Hey man, my Eagles right over, right over my sunroof. And he goes, uh, you're that Eagles pastor. I thought that was funny. I don't know. I don't know if that's good doctrine, but I thought, all right, I'm your pastor. Anyway, uh, I don't mind. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, talking about the knowledge of God. Um, and by the way, in Habakkuk, it says that the, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory in every place. So not only are they going to know uh, itemized detail about Jesus historically, there will be knowledge of his glory, of his, of his anointing, of his authority, his power, his presence, right? See, we are an empowered church. We are an empowered people. This isn't just religious rhetoric. This isn't cold formalism. We're called into a relationship, and it's awesome. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said light will shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts uh, to give the light 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the glory would be of God and not of us. Come on, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 is particularly interesting with this on the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and knowing God. Jonathan and Grace are dating. They're getting to know each other. It's courting. You figure it out. You know, that's what you develop. That's what you learn. And, uh, you know, here's a young mother here and her husband's home watching the kids so she could have a, her own personal time. What is she, how does she pick her personal time Friday night? She comes and sits to learn and discover how good Jesus is because it's occurred to Rachel that something good has happened in her life. And she's, you know, right three rows in front of her is a lady who was a nun in 1959. She's from a Roman Catholic background. My, I have pictures of family history of people that were priests and things, you know. So it's like at some point, though, God has answered prayers and intervened in families. And, and, and whether it's Protestant or Catholic, whether it's Jew or Gentile, whether Hindu, Buddhist, whatever, atheist, a humanist, Jesus died for humanity. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I like this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against what? The knowledge of God. What is, listen, what I'm preaching is good because I'm talking about knowing him and the knowledge of God. This is, this will motivate you to read your Bible. This is why I come to church. I come to church and I listen. I love it when I'm here and I hear my wife preach or I hear another speaker you know, because I, I, I could take notes. I don't, have, um, I don't have leadership responsibility at that point, so I could listen. I can just learn. I love it. I love it. And, and I love what can happen in a context like this because we could pick stuff up. And if we, you know, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So, like, you're going through 57 billion things, and it's like God knows it, and he cares about you. And as you, you set yourself in a context like this, you're getting in the crosshairs of the presence of God, and he is and will and can do great things in, in and through your situation. I mean, this is why Paul said to, in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, he said, hey, when I came to you, I didn't, I, I, I didn't come with superiority of speech or of man's wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. He said, uh, I determined to know nothing among you. See, no, that's knowledge, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. That's the opposite of a motivational speaker showing how charismatic and powerful they are and running around with their little microphone and their, you know, their, their affliction T-shirt and their, their, you know, their highlighted you know, uh, spike hair and their tight jeans going, uh, I'm awesome, and for $35,000, you could be awesome too if you come hear me tell how awesome I am for 10 minutes. He comes in with a humility because he wants their faith He said, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith will not rest on the wisdom of men, but but on the power of God. So what got a hold of Chet when he was 12 or 10? 12? What got a hold of Pastor John when he was 19? What got a hold of Rachel years ago, right before she got married? What got a hold of of Mary Hackman back there in in, in 72? I'll tell you what got a hold, the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Jesus, of knowing him, 
of coming to terms with him, right? In Shelbina, Missouri, King Scott uh, McNew, his heart gets touched for God. He becomes this committed believer. And his own father told me, Scott's the strongest Christian in our family. And uh, there's something about that. And then it makes sense to me that he'd be, you know, on this radio platform. It makes sense to me that Asher would get saved and be unashamed of the gospel and serve the Lord, the, you know, KC95, Real Rock Radio, you know, and just continue. Just There's just so much game in him. There's so much game in all of us. There's so much joy in the Lord. You young people, listen, you're in a good church because you've got uh, a whole, you've got little bitty kids all the way to people. Uh, we've got, uh, Olga is 104. So that's, that's a good span. And so, you know, so middle age here is like, uh, what? What's middle age of eternity? I don't know yet. I, I, that's why I'm just acting my age. Ephesians 1.17, what a prayer. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, me, us, we, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The knowledge of Him, the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. And it goes to another prayer in Ephesians 3.19, famous prayers. And to know the love of Christ, Ephesians 3.19. And to know, everybody say no. no. The love of Christ and which surpasses knowledge. See, that verse right there trips my melon every time I read it. I laugh. I, it's like, God, okay, you're, I'm praying that I'll know something that's beyond knowing. And he's having me do it. Right? I do that all the time. And I go, okay, God. And I get your sense of humor. I get, it's like, hey, come on in. Come on in. Hey, you, you want to see... You know, you want to see how great this thing is? Keep seeking. That's why I appreciate what Steve said earlier about seeking and finding. Uh, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. And every, you know, all this inclusion, all this argument of all this, you know, e- equality and all that stuff. He says everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. I mean, Jesus is the great He's the great equalizer. He comes in and he, he, he obliterates the sin condition. He neutralizes all the toxicity. He comes in and he heals all manner of sickness and disease. Imagine what that was like. The person that's having to document or write the report. You, you had leprosy. You had a heart condition. You had a hemorrhage. You had anemia. I mean, it was like, what? And all at the same time you got healed. What was the, what was the uh, protocol? How did they do He just waved his hand over us and said, be healed. It was like, what? You know, Jesus is doing such. And I think about Bonky and how he never calcified. He was, he, he got he, he couldn't go to Nigeria for almost 10 years, and then he had favor, and he got back in Nigeria. And it, God just, and in, a, in the latter part of his life, from 2000 until the end of his life, there was an uptick of souls that came into the kingdom. It went like this. And about over half of all the souls he had won to the Lord in all of his 50-plus years of ministry happened in a relatively short period of time. Knowledge will increase. The harvest is plenteous, and I'm almost out of time. Ephesians 4.13. 
We're to grow up in all aspects in him. We're to speak the truth in love. We're not to be tossed to and fro by nutty stuff. Until we all attain to the unity of the spirit, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Is it possible we can attain to unity? Church that has, you know, on one, four corners of a street, there are four monuments of division denominational, all the stuff we've seen all over the times. And I think, God, how, how is this going to happen? Yeah. Jesus prayed that we'd be one as their one. So it's going to happen and it's going to be supernatural. Yeah. Come on. This is so good what I'm saying. Are you guys with me? You got, a, you got room for just a couple more verses? Um, that we would have the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Colossians 1.10. Let's look at this one. Let this one shine on you. Um, Colossians 1.10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Absolutely. Steve and Addison have a dog that was so cute, it was too cute to train. But Jillian Weems, who used to work at the zoo, uh, they they dog sat for this dog. This dog that would shoot out the door, if you crack the door open a little bit, it would nuzzle its way through and go and go immediately over to the neighbors to visit their dog, then run down the street and run through the woods. And uh, you couldn't get him to stop. you get right up near him and try to stop, and then he'd dart off. Uh, got around Jillian Weems. The, he was a zoologist that could train, and he came back, and he was like, obedient. Wasn't it shocking? (laughs) Say this with me. You can teach an old dog new tricks. We are to grow in all aspects unto him. Our marriages can grow. Our approach on our finances can grow. Our discernment and understanding of the gifts of the spirit can grow. Our um, abilities relationally to mature and not react and be more... Uh, even keel and less moody can grow, right? We can grow. We don't have to lapse into being terminally immature and be mean jerks and then uh, bloat and die. We, we can actually live our lives, right? Praise the Lord. That's, a, that's imagery right there. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Say that. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 2.2 2, it goes on and just in the next chapter it says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. See, people are so dismissive of this that instead of saying there's a God who sent his son Jesus, they're saying, oh, no, these are extraterrestrials from other planets, and we, we've got to, i got to break you on this, the religious people. They're, you know, they're, it's not a God. It's a bunch of beings from other planets. It's like that's, so, that's another aspect of defiance, of humbling yourself and saying God is so good. 
It's disrespectful to the people groups. Oh, aliens had to teach you how to do these pyramids, Mayans and Egyptians. No, they figured that God made them in his image, and they were having all this kind of stuff happen all over the place. Whatever time frame it was, pre-flood, post-flood, and all that stuff, I don't know. I'm not an archaeologist, but it's all trippy. But I do know there is a God who created the heavens and the earth and all the seas and all that is in them. And we can learn about him and we can grow in him. And there's, he's without substitute. He's without parallel, right? And we don't have to be religious bigots to conclude that. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Well, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, good, then come to our church. It's pretty uh, wild west most of the time. You know, it's, uh, well, I've been had my feelings hurt. Well, so have I. Join the club or unjoin the club and forgive people. Second Timothy 2.25 says, With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to what? The knowledge of the truth. That's what we want to have established in people's minds and hearts. And we speak the truth in love. And we don't hold back. We don't modify our belief system. We don't go against this book. We stand on the word of God. Titus 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness. The knowledge of the truth. What does it say? You'll know the truth and the truth will. Second Peter 1, 2. I already read that to you, but we'll finish with these next few verses here. Second Peter 1, 2, and 3. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you, let's go back to that. If you didn't get anything out of 1 Corinthians 12.1 or the probably 40 verses I quoted you, go home with this one. Grace and peace are multiplied to you to the degree that you immerse yourself in the God stuff. Get really focused on the God stuff. How do you do that? Get up every morning and before you turn the TV on, go, you know what, I I go and I turn the coffee pot on, I will admit. I push the button. I got it all preset and I just push the button. It's already set up. It's already ready. Push the button. Then I go get my devotionals and I dive in. I send them to my family and I study. Then I let the Holy Spirit lead me. I spend some time with God. And I don't want it to be confusing. It's not like Oh, he's so pious. Oh, he's such a mystic. Oh, he's so holy. No, because I I tried starting my days without that. And it was just uh, not as good. Right? So you start your day acknowledging and thanking him, praising him. Well, do you sing so many chorus songs? Do you sing Amazing Grace, all the verses? Do you do it on your knees? Do you light a candle? Do you go into a room? No. It's, uh, it, you can do all that, but do whatever works for you. Just get your mind stayed on him. Right? How many cups of coffee do you have, Pastor Jeff? That's none of your business. <laughs> Paul Chase calls it Jehovah Java, so I don't know that. I don't think that's good. But Second Peter, it says... Let's read this out loud. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God 
in Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through what? The true knowledge of him. Through the true knowledge of him. Gary and Asher are pioneer broadcasters. And Scott is now in their, in their uh, draft. And he's, he's a young generation coming up. Out, and these guys, they went through reel-to-reel tapes. To, uh, they were through the 8-track tape period. They were through the um, stone carving period. They were th- and, then, and then, you know, the drum beating. And they're still drum beating. Hallelujah. But we're learning. We're growing. I mean, you're looking at a pastor. I feel fresh. I'm more enthusiastic now about my life with the Lord, ministry, and life in general than I've ever been. And I think that's the way it ought to be. I had people, I had one lady say, oh, well, you're the preacher boy. You're going to see, you're going to get it, sonny. You know, and I thought, wow, that is, that was, she was led a tragic life. She was wrong. She was wrong. The, the, that knowing this is eternal life, that you might know him, the only true God. Let's stand up on our feet and we'll finish with this. Remembering that Daniel said, many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Boy, wouldn't it be something if Harvard said, let's go back to truth for Christ and the church? I'm not holding my breath, but I will tell you this. We need to all about, be all about Jesus and keep a good spirit about it. And trust God for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? Let's lift up our hands. Lord, I receive all your guidance for 2024. I pray for the people online, God. That God, I pray that there be healing in our relationships, wisdom on our decisions, guidance in our steps. We make better choices. Deliver us from temptation. Uh, God, the sin patterns would break and we'd, we'd stay devoted. Lord, Help our devotion. Help our commitment. We receive your help. Say this with me. I believe I receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a concise knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened. Can we sing open the eyes of my heart? Can we sing that song? And uh, uh, this happened, a guy named Paul Beloche. He's a worship leader in Texas, and the pastor got up and prayed that the eyes of her understanding would be enlightened. Paul Beloche wrote that song, and uh, this song. We're going to finish with this. Put your hands together. We're going to get ready to sing this. Come on.